It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August thirty first, and you're listening to episode four hundred and thirty one. Ah, I'm Jason, joined once again by my brother of the same name. Jason, Mr. Katarski, how are you doing today? I am doing well as I could be at this particular juncture in life, I think. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, getting the kids back to virtual school. And uh, my wife's a teacher, so she's back to virtual teaching. And I'm starting classes, like, tomorrow. Uh and uh, I got a dog too, so that's like having a, dog, a yeah. having like having a baby. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's fun. Same exact yeah. thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I so... feed I feed him from my breasts and everything. It's beautiful. That's, that's not... a beautiful thing. No. <laughs> you don't want to picture that, no. I, well, no, because uh, physiologi- physiologically, it's not going to work super well. So. Uh, you don't know me. It's true. <laughs> That is true. I do know you pretty well, and I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Um, but anyways, yeah, this was great. All right. Yeah, good podcast. So, yeah, I don't, have to, uh, I don't have to do any of the school stuff for another week. So awesome. I am just letting myself not be stressed about it, even though I know I'll be stressed super soon as soon as it happens. That'd be cool. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait to be super stressed about it. It's going to be awesome pretty stoked yes totally yeah you uh were you will not be alone in that feeling right I'm sure right. but i don't know but i think it, it i mean it's going smoothly for my kids so um i'm confident that it's just a rhythm we all have to get into you right. know and make them make the most of it yeah i know and the thing is like a lot of people i know that have already started doing this are in public school um which we are going to a public school but it's a public online school so it is a school that is created only to be an online school which in some ways is going to be better but in other ways it's also going to be um you know it's it's just different right um like public schools kind of like you like the in-person schools you kind of you're going to this online version and it's new for everyone right but this school has been doing this for 13 years or whatever so (laughs) it's weird for uh it's weird for us but it's not weird for them and I almost wish it was just weird for everyone, you know. Oh yeah, so, right. A little yeah. more, a little more grace there from both sides yeah, if it's new yeah. for everybody. That's all. But okay. Uh, so you, uh, you play any games lately, sir? Yeah, actually, um, been continuing the the game playing with my children, uh, who are now like my youngest is seven, so it's fun to like pull out some heavier hitters. We played uh, Harry Potter code names, which was okay. Um, it you know it's just hard to beat code names vanilla even you know um, that right, was okay. Right. Uh, played Cottage Garden with them, which is like yeah uh, takes uh, some of the ideas of like Patchwork, but it's mm-hmm. by Uwe Rosenberg and and uh, it's not like a Rondell so much as uh, a cool like drafting grid, right, but right. it plays with up to four players and uh, we all loved it. It was great and everybody did well. Uh, Wait. Even the, the seven-year-old, the 11-year-old. Um, yeah, waiting. Now I'm curious. Uh, wait, you said Rondell. Patchwork? Is that considered a Rondell? 
Oh no! The I drafting I, mechanism. I guess. I guess. Whenever I think, I just thinking of a circle. I okay. guess. I'm gonna be like, honest. I don't quite understand what a rondell is. I never have. I'm sure I've played games with rondells, but I don't quite get what it is. Like I've never that concept has never really like I've read about it, and for some reason it's always been like this weird like, like just very like loose interpretation in my head so when you said that i was like wait 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 i'm pretty sure that's not it so yeah yeah I was sorry just, just just uh uh the the rondelle i think in my understanding is more of like the circular time mechanism where like right resources are moving around and like or you're moving around the resources uh for your actions but um yeah so not exactly that I, I, there is a, that circular pattern of like you can take one of the next three things and you're moving in a circular motion, but it's different. Right. Yeah, so, but, but I see the correlation now that you say it that way. If you think about those tiles as resources, because they are. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'll buy that. Totally. Yeah. Um. So we played that one. That one went well. It was a little meatier, so like it took a little longer to play for that first play to get the kids going. It's like an hour-long game. It took us two hours because we're teaching the 11-year-old and the, and the uh, 7-year-old. Uh, but then I pulled out uh, recently Love Letter with them, which they had never played. That's a good one. It's fun to play uh, with people for the first time, especially. Yeah, yeah. And, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing it in a different way where I'm, like, teaching my kids. Because, like, you don't – I think at their level of thinking, it's it's got that this, like, little bit of deductive strategy that, like, they haven't really experienced in a game before. So, like, I'm having to say, so here's what you're doing is you have to, or, or counting cards, too. Like, right? You're looking around the table about what's played and what could still be out there and what information they gave best on information. So, I'm, like, I'm kind of walking them through their the actions and options a little bit more, you know, in the game to get them going. Right, right, um, for sure. But, but Cora, my youngest, ended up winning, uh, which was cool. And that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think they were starting to see it at the end. So it's another one that I'm like, I want to get that back to the table soon so they can continue to stretch those, For sure. those muscles. Um, but it reminded me like of uh, of that. It reminded me of how good it was and how much awesomeness there is in that 17, 16 card game. And then it, which led me to like, oh yeah, I remember the time that I tried to make my own version of that and Dead Drop was published. So I kind of have reignited my interest in like maybe tinkering around with, with Dead Drop a little bit. Cause I ended up doing that. My, my game is only 13 cards. So I even right, made a right. smaller game than Love Letter and it's been out of print for a while. So uh, I was kind of thinking about what could I do with that. But, I have seven yeah. different art decks of it, though. Oh, great! Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. You can put one in every pair of pants you own, so like you never yep. like yep. go home without it and leave home without it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I played a couple games of late. Uh, we taught the kids how to play Yam Slam, uh, and if you haven't played oh, yeah. Yam Slam, uh, it's uh, it's a Yahtzee variant, uh, but it's it's really really good. Um, the game it's got. A bunch of different tokens, uh, and the tokens represent the Yahtzee standard Yahtzee things you could get. Um, and when you get it, you take a token, and it's worth you know X number of points. The most being fifty, the smallest being five. And uh, when you take those tokens, that's your for your score at the end of the game. But when that token runs out, then no longer can anyone get that. So if I roll a large straight, that's pretty awesome. But um, the if after that's been done four times next person that rolls a large straight they they don't get it so um so that is cool right 
Uh, I like that about it. And then there are some variant scorings where like if I get all of one, I get an additional like 30 points. If I get one of every chip, I get an additional 50 points. If I get six of the seven chips, I get uh, like 20 points. And then like the person to take the last chip gets 20 bonus points. So it's it's just it's really fun. And it's a really nice compact experience. Uh, there's the felt area where you roll inside the box. The chips store right in the box. It's it's just really well put together. It's a nice tin um, so that's become a family favorite. Um, and then that's one of those, that's one of those games that like, I feel like, uh, it's kind of a Yahtzee killer. Like it's just a step past Yahtzee yeah, with yeah. like, it's, but it's it, way but it more a, fun. Yeah, it absolutely. I had a, I had a version of that that was like, uh, a, like a four inch circle. It was like a travel edition with small, like one yeah. inch chips. Yep. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't uh, have the felt rolling area, but I loved how small it was. And I was like, this game should be in like every, like cottage that everyone owns yes like such an easy like pull it out and play it kind of like the rules are literally on the back of the box it's that simple that's fantastic Um, so good it's it's so good and um yeah it is a yahtzee killer that's one where i should look i wonder if they have an app for that because i would play the heck out of that game whereas Mm. like i never want to play yahtzee on an app i just get bored with it uh because it's you know like fill this i don't know like Somehow this just feels easier than Yahtzee, even though it's the same options. It's less stressful than Yahtzee because I don't have to. There's no chance, first of all. But if I fill it all in um, with Yahtzee, okay, I filled this in. Now that's the best I had, right? Um, The other thing is if the Yam Slam is a Yahtzee, you call it a Yam Slam. And the way that works is you get to take any chip that you choose that's still out there. Which so generally you would take like a fifty point chip if it was there, um, but sometimes you might take a five point chip because it's gonna complete your collection and give you like a fifty point bonus, right? All um, right. Uh, alternatively, though, you, I mean the other thing with that is once you've done that, you then get to go again. So like I'll, mm. I like I made ninety points in a yam slam one time, which was pretty awesome. Like yeah, that felt seriously. really good. Um, but it also has diminishing returns because if it's late in the game and you get a yam slam, you very well may be getting like like f- like five points for it, right? Because the fifty point chips are now gone and some of the other good chips are gone. So I, I like that balance uh, there. So that's it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then we also once again played silver and gold, which is right now I'd say that's probably my favorite roll and right to play. Um, that's a Pandasaurus game, and it's just. It's a traditional roll and write in the fact that you've got the shapes, right? That you're trying to like cross things out with shapes, that kind of feel, right? But it, um, it really, it does it well, and uh, it's got the cards where you just write on with dry erase, and I really enjoy that. Um, so yeah, so that's one that I really, really like playing. It plays in about thirty minutes, and uh, it's like I can teach it in five minutes or less. So that's that's one I, I really enjoy. Is that something you uh, could play online? Kind of. Um, so I've played it with my mom online before um, where basically there's a center row of cards that you share. Um, and and we couldn't do that. But then other than that, you have your own cards, right? So you take your own cards, you do your own thing. And then there are cards, the shape cards come out, right? So what I did was I bought my mom the game, sent it to her. And then um, we took the camera, pointed it down at the um pointed it down at the uh shape cards so whenever a shape would come out i'd hold it in front of the camera and then set it there and then she could grab her shape card that matched that and use it to figure out how to draw it right 
Um, and then instead of doing a shared row of drafting cards, we just had our own. So it did change the game a bit because we had, it was a little bit of a different dynamic, but it played excellent that way. It was just like a variant, you know, house rule thing to make it work over Zoom. Sweet. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, it. And it's good with two players? Oh, it's fantastic with two players. I I don't know that I would want to play it with more than two. I mean... Yeah, I like if you were playing with you and your kids and your wife, I think it would be a good one. Um, but like, I really enjoy it with two players. Um, cool. So I would highly recommend that one. Well, I just ordered it while we were talking. Oh, did you? So, yeah. yeah. That was a game I mentioned before on the show where it was called Silver and Gold, and like that, just like I didn't didn't see the cover. I didn't get that it was like a pirate treasure thing. I was ah. like, I don't know. It just I didn't like from the name. I just completely disregarded it. And then right. I happened to see a review of it and was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what is this game? And then I ordered it. I was like, immediately. Um, Sweet. So, yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that one. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to talk about a topic here, if that's okay with you. That I suppose that will be All okay. Right. So first, I'm going to start off this topic with a little bit of an apology. It's like a half-hearted apology. It's not like a real apology. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I've been working on some stuff behind the scenes, and I really haven't been talking about it on the show. Um, I've been trying to like figure it out and wanting to present it kind of on the show uh, when it was ready. Um, and then I realized that that's stupid because that's not what show this is, right? Like this is a right. show where we talk about stuff. So, but two things on that note: one. Um, I know that I've been saying a lot more lately, and this is not about the thing I'm about to talk about, uh, but I know I've been saying a lot more lately, like, hey, I, I can't talk about this game or I'll share it when I can. And like, I'm, it, it's frustrating to me that that's the case, but that is the reality of the situation with some of the publishers we work with now. And it's weird because for the first several games that I worked on, it was either with myself, with you, with Mark Spector, um, all people who were, even when I was with Van Ryder for that short time, like all of you were like, oh, talk about it on the podcast. That's great, right? Um, so I kind of got spoiled in that. And then as things have gone forward with some different publishers and stuff, it's just not, I, I just can't talk about stuff like I did before. And and that's frustrating because I like being able to talk about the stuff, right? Because it's building the game. And I was kind of lamenting over that. And that's when I was like, hey, idiot, you're not talking about things you could be talking about. Uh, and you should start doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my I'm sorry. Uh, and so here's what we're going to do. So I am looking to start doing some publishing. And I, I've talked about this before on the show, but I was very like loose. -li I was very tight lipped about all of it. So there's two different things I want to start doing publishing wise. Uh, one is for my coaching business. Uh, I've recently uh, been testing uh, some games uh, that uh, I've designed to work uh, along with my coaching stuff, working with teams and things like that. Uh, one of those is Opposite is Opposite, which I have talked about on the show. Um, but I kind of wanted to wait until I had the whole thing set up and was ready to go to where I really dove into the games, right? And really kind of figured out my plan and then talked about it after the fact. And I realized that I, I, we should really work through this. And I thought you would be a great person to work through this with because you've, you know, published one or two games in your, in your time. Um, <laughs> and then in addition to that, uh, I'm going to start doing some other publishing of some on, I want to start publishing some online stuff. Uh, specifically things in the random and write or roll and write categories um, because I'm really passionate about those games and I really enjoy them. 
Um, and I, I, it's just something I want to do, like put small stuff out there uh, as my own. And then, you know, I can always show that off to other publishers later if I choose to, um, because I'll still own everything. Um, but I, I want to do that. And that, that sounds like fun. And so I've, I've, you know, been really, haven't said a lot about it on the show. I've talked about it here and there, and I, I just kind of want to go through it and kind of workshop with you, um, how, you know, how I should do that. Um, so does that sound all right? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I have my experience, which is just my experience, and there is a breadth of other experience out there. So uh, my ideas are, are often based on like uh, me doing things the way I want to do things, which isn't necessarily the way that everyone else is going to do things. But um, I love ideas. I love uh, encouraging people to go after theirs. So I think it sounds real cool to like just kind of see where uh, this conversation goes and how uh, I can help you out with what I've learned. I mean, I basically copied Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me Games when I was right, starting right. my company. And uh, just kind of from looking behind the scenes uh, at what he was doing when he was working on Great Heartland Holland Company for me, um, I was like, oh, I think this would be a fun thing to do to put all these pieces together. And, and I'm an observational learner, so I learn from like watching what other people do. Right, um, me too. And... And that's like uh, just paying attention to the people around me that I've met has helped me a lot. So um, maybe I'll maybe I'll have something to contribute in a positive way in your right, life. Right. Well, <laughs> so I think what it kind of comes down to is like I also have watched other publishers publish stuff and do things, and I've seen the way that they do it. Uh, you in particular, I have worked closely with Chris Kirkman because he helped out uh, doing a lot of stuff with uh, on real estate with Mark Spector because that was Mark's first game and. Uh, like you and Chris, you know, um, like you, he, he saw that Kirkman knew what he was doing and, you know, so he, we, we worked with him a bit. Um, but you know, what I'm looking at is this is kind of what my goal is. So let's talk, let's start with that. My goal for yeah. the coaching games, we'll, we'll do that. We may not get through everything, but so we'll start with those. Um, with the coaching game, my goal is really to, um, create tools that are games, right. That I can play, with uh, teams that I can show to when I do executive coaching and things like that. Uh, executive coaching sometimes can be a little dry. Uh, and the idea of being able to sit down and teach them things with games uh, is different. And it's a bit of a different approach for me to market uh, beyond uh, what some other people are doing. And, and frankly, some of the other people that I see doing this, and if you're listening to the show and you do this uh, and you're a game designer, then you know you're cool. It's great. But what I see is I see these trainers who are not designers, right? Who are, who are making, frankly, or using pretty boring or just kind of lame games. And I don't want to do that, right? Like, I want to create games that uh, that I actually theoretically can dual market, right? Like, create a game, like, opposite is opposite. My plan with that game right now is, and that's my word game uh, that's done really well. I've showed it to a business team, and I've also taken it to some gamers, and we've played it, and it's, it's went smashingly both times. Like, way better than I ever thought it was going to. Awesome. And um, so with that game, my hope is to do some self-publishing with it, but then also to continue to throw it out there and pitch it as a party game to show off to some different places because why not, right? Why not? Um, so yeah, that's... So what I'm trying to figure out is like... in part of this is just brainstorming with you. Like I'm trying to figure out like some of the best ways to 
do that because I, 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 I need the game to be able to work online right now, right? Because that's what it's doing. And frankly, the game works online great. I'm actually more nervous about it working in person the way it works online because it works online really well. Um, but like it comes down to like I would love to be able to print this game and use it in these sessions, but then also, like I said, attempt to pitch it out there to the hobby game market as as a not necessarily a different product, but a different market. Um, yeah. And then if it gets published by a company, then I would start ordering copies from said company and using those copies in my in my actual um, coaching life, because then I'd have even better copies. Right. Um, so it, does that does that make sense? Like, does that sound dumb? I uh, you know, I I'm just really struggling to like wrap my head around how it's all going to work, uh, which is why I've waited so long to talk about this. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like, it, it seems to be a pretty specific kind of uh, niche uh, to go after. Like, if you're if you're going to make a game uh, that you're going to keep people at a business training engaged with, you know, it it just um, and it's going to teach some specific things that you want them to learn. Um, I think that like some of the things that will be required fall very much in line with what a party game is. Like, can you teach it in one minute? You know, right? Um, is it is it fun? Uh, is it preachy? Like, uh, like preachy in the sense that like you know you're being taught a lesson, right? You know, right. or so... is it something that just like spurs on conversation? Because I, I feel like honestly, to me, the market. The market in the business world is going to be super small. Are you going to set up a tent? Are you going to sell them out of your trench coat to like oh. the people at the training? You're just going to use the game. Right. You just want to use good games right. that you've made. Yes. As a marketing tool to then book a group and that is part of the process. Because lots of trainers and coaches do this, right? They get a group of people together. They show them, uh, they show them a game. You know, in the games are always very heavy handed. Not now, I'm sure not always, but the ones I've played have always been incredibly heavy handed and very mm. preachy. Right. So that's why something like opposite is opposite um, fit really well, because with opposite is opposite. You you get a word, you write the opposite. You let the next person, they write the opposite of the word you wrote. And then the third person writes the opposite of the word that second person wrote. So now you're back to the opposite of the original word in theory. And now you look at a list of words and you have to pick what the original word was, right? Um, and what I use that to show, so the, specifically the last team I worked with, right? Um, one of the words, just because I want the builders to understand kind of like what I'm talking about here. So one of the words was, um, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, I don't remember now. It was, I don't remember. Oh, that's a bummer. But anyways, um, uh, so the what what happened was the person did the opposite of uh, of the word in their mind, right? Um, and it was like a total failure. Like by the time we got to the third word, we were so far off track that looking at a bunch of words where it should have been easy was like completely not easy um, because the person just didn't get it right. Um, but one where a guy did really well, uh, this guy on the team, he did really well. He was actually the boss. So this was nice. Um, the word he got was smoothie. So 
instead of trying to think of what the opposite of smoothie was, he said, well, smooth, smoothie. So he wrote roughish, right? So the next person saw roughish and they said smooth. So, of course, what did the person after that write? They wrote rough. So when the when that person gets rough and, ha- and looks at that list and they see smoothie, they know what it is, right? And what he did was he took the context of the fact that the first, per- the second person has no idea what the first word was, right? And that's kind of the, that's what you're teaching, right? Because the other person, basically, uh, that person said something uh, that only made sense in context if you knew the first word. But of course, by the time the person who has to guess gets it, they don't know the first word. They have no idea. They're three layers away from the first word. Does that make sense? Sure. Are you sure? Your face looks like it doesn't make sense. No, yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, because the simplest version of the game is I give you the word hot. You say cold. The next person says hot. The last person says cold. And then I show you a list of words, this this person to guess. I show them a list of words, and they see um, hot. And they say, well, I have cold. That's the opposite of hot, right? Um, What makes it a challenge is that the words are not, don't have easy opposites, right? Uh, The words are things like, I have in front of me here, Antarctica, sign, closet, bicycle, year, conspiracy, card, wine, balloon, shoes, internet, time, snack, table, fan, fence. So, yeah, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I think that... Um... Oh, sorry. So what I'm so the, what you were was saying was not being heavy handed, right? What I'm using that to teach then is I'm using it to say, like, we have to basically communication is like fractions, right? And I'm really bad with math, but this this is a really simple concept. Um, you can't add fractions together unless the denominator is the same, right? So like the the common denominator, right? <laughs> so right, right. You know, you have to put when you're communicating with someone, you have to think about. What is the common denominator? What can I do that will help them understand what I'm trying to say if they don't fully understand what I'm what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I I do a lot with I did a lot with this in my former job where I had to explain really highly technical things to people that didn't understand technology. Like, can you learn to communicate in a way that makes sense to them without them having to actually know what you're talking about on the technical side, right? Um, And I think that's something that lacks in a lot of office communication and a lot of team and work communication. So a game like that should hopefully fill the gap there uh, without feeling preachy, right? Because it just feels like you're playing a silly game and everybody laughs and it's funny when somebody says a dumb word that doesn't make sense, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of wrap it up in the bow and say, aha, but what you didn't think about was this wonderful principle. And what was great was that one person... Like they did several, but one person clearly had a great clue if you knew what the first word was. And the other person had a great clue that didn't matter. It took into account that. So being able to talk that through in a nice way, obviously, I'm not, hey, moron, because they weren't. I mean, like, that's the whole point of the exercise is it's super easy to do that. Um, Yeah, you hope it breaks down because then it gives you a teaching moment right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's super easy. We all do it. I do it. I just happen to think about it a little more because it's my job <laughs> to think about it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of thing. I'm trying to use games to teach perspectives, to teach communication. And I m- rule number one is they all have to be fun. They all can't feel like I'm teaching you something. They have to feel like you're you're having a good time. Um, and and yeah. then, you know, obviously then that's where if it's a fun game, there's no reason you can't then ship it off to the hobby game market. 
Um, yeah. Totally. So, go ahead. I I just think uh, like your your way of like putting it all together is key. Like um, the thing that I'm right. thinking about is like, do you have five things that you are gonna specialize in teaching business people as your like the reason they hired you as their coach, right? Like yes, you're a, yeah. you, like you're in communication, you're in uh, team building, blah 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 blah. Then if you have those like categories that say this is what I teach at my coaching, so now I'm gonna create a line of games for each one of these pillars that I teach. Um, yes, that's the that's, that is the idea exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and in and in that way, like. Um, you're, you're doing, you're, you're just hitting on both of those ideas that like you want to make a good game because you're a game designer and that gives you an edge to market yourself and say, Hey, this guy who's a professional game designer is going to use games to help you learn about your team. And that's like why they're going to hire somebody like you for their special right. professional development rather than, you know, the magician Joe, you know, or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to see the magician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Joe, the magician. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, so, I think the other thing is making them yourself. You're going to look at the most simplistic professional, because I think right. as a professional game designer, you want to show up uh, at one of these business meetings with something that looks really good. Not like you made a prototype on your home printer. Correct. Um. In, so, like, yeah. yeah, so going with, like, party, party game elements where, like, just good typefaces and clear graphic design... Um, and as simple as like, what can you put in a, in a tuck box or a tin or like a wallet type of game or a baggie mm-hmm. that makes it like look, um, boutique and special, um, without making it look chintzy. And I would say, you know, whatever you could do to make it small as well could be, could be a cool like a sample of the actual game you know what i mean if you could do like hey here's this 20 card version of this bigger thing you want to actually publish later then you have this little portable thing that you know maybe in in your fees for your training you find out how many people are there and they each get a game needed to take home right right um and that and is play something with their friends right that's something thinking about was so thinking about let's let's take opposite as opposite as kind of like a as kind of like a test scenario here because that's the first one i'll do it with for sure great yeah. news about that it is it is text on cards like so cool. good typeface whatever i can certainly get it printed in bulk um somewhere like the game crafter or something um and uh you know if if i'm just showing it to a company once like each company one time it is very easy to have 25 cards that are 50 words you know what i mean uh with two words on a card say and then um it's easy to show that to them uh and not have to have like a 300 card game which is what the published yeah. one would be like um i could even do foil packs where i randomize them um, and that would make it easy to give away too, where it's like here, there's five versions of this foil pack. And then if I give like to five different people at the office, now they all have a different version of it. Right. Um, but a game yeah, like that, totally. the other thing with a game like that is that typically the game is played with um, uh, markers. Like you use dry erase markers on paper or dry erase markers on cards. Right. Um, so if I want to publish the whole thing in a little box, and make it look nice, 
that that would get pricey, right? Like, I mean, I yep. could obviously do just cards at GameCrafter and maybe a box from GameCrafter uh, or find some other like little boutique tin or box that I could put it in. Um, you know, I, I think that for me, for, for what I get paid on average to go into a company and do something like this, for me to print a game for 20 bucks, like that's, that would be fine. Like I would have no problem spending $20 on something to just give away when I went there. Right. Um, right. because that's easily more than part of the purchase price of what they're getting when they hire me. Um, it's just making sure that, yes, I want it to look professional. I want it to feel, um, you know, I want it to feel like a le- to them. I want it to feel like a legit published game, right? Whereas to somebody in the game design world, would be like, well, yeah, this this needs some more <laughs> stuff to it, and that's okay, right? Uh, because right. it's different markets. Do you see as a publisher yourself? Do you see an issue with me printing that game and giving it away at places while also trying to publish said game outside of that? No, because I think that it's just a. Uh... I mean, if you're giving it like the foil pack idea or a partial game, you're you're hopefully going to give them something that they enjoyed enough that they're going to show it to somebody else. And then somebody else learns about your game. So it's like a demo copy. You're giving right, them like a right. you're giving them a taste like, you know, you go to a convention and you get like a pack of Pokemon cards and you're just like or you get like a I've gotten magic. I got a magic demo day deck one day and it's like oh i'm gonna look through this and maybe i'm gonna play it now and if i play it i want to go and buy the real thing because i had such a good time with this so like if if you can focus on like giving a taste at your coaching and training sessions um that leads to something bigger down the line i think that's cool and then you have all this like uh feedback also that you could provide you have them fill out a survey at the end of their training what did you like most about the training and they say this game was helpful in teaching this then you have that hard data to say hey look at these office people who said they enjoyed this game you know whatever right right i don't know yeah if you want to get on that that side of it um what about going a step further though and actually like making a full copy of the game and then selling said full copy of the game either as like saying like hey if you hire me to do this thing uh, we'll play this game and then I'll, I'll go ahead and just send you a copy uh, or, you know, I'll bring a copy and let you have it uh, for your office um, as something as it just is a fun thing you can do sometimes when you've got a Friday or something, you want to start off a meeting fun, right? Um, yeah. And then my assumption would be like, let's say I was doing that and then like some huge fancy game company, doesn't matter. I'm just making up things was like, I want to publish this game that I would just stop printing my own. And once right. it was published, I would start using their copies of the game for the same thing. Um, right. Which seems like it would be fine. I mean, uh, with something like opposite is opposite. There's no worry of like theme change, right? Where they're, you know, unless they were making it like, you know, naughty words or something. And that would be a problem. <laughs> sure. Um, but like, you know, there are a couple other games. Like there's a game I'm working on right now that teaches perspective um, for like, because one of the struggles that uh, some executives tend to have is they don't understand that everyone has a different perspective from each level you're at and that that those perspectives are necessary in making the right decisions. Sometimes uh, it can be easy at that level to make calls in a vacuum and just say, we're going to do this. And then it's like, oh, but I forgot this critical thing that the customer service people understand, but that I don't understand because I don't deal with that. Um, and yeah. so I've, I'm working on a game that kind of at four different levels teaches four different perspectives. Um, And so a game like that, um, like 
the the concern would be that yes, if I did sell that and somebody wanted to publish it, now suddenly you know, um, suddenly, uh, yeah, uh, was it? it suddenly it gets rethemed, right? And now it's like some like theme that doesn't fit anymore. Um, but then, so then there's the other idea here, right? This is with the same thing. We're not going to end up having time to talk about the other publishing stuff I wanted to talk about. Next okay. time I have, well, we can I'll do that have another you, time. Yeah. I'll have you on in a couple of weeks again and we'll just chat about it. That I'll kind of do a part two to this conversation. I'll even call this episode something, something part one. Um, oh, nice. but, uh, so there's also the opposite, right? Which would be that I publish the game myself, like yep. fully publish the game myself, put it on Kickstarter, uh, you know, slash use business funds, print it, um, and then sell copies on my own, right? Because sure. a game like Opposite is Opposite. I could do that. Like, I know that I could do that. Um, the question would be, you know, then we start to hit, like, do I print offshore? Do I print onshore? What I, you know, I mean, because we're just talking cards, but yep. all those prices add up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see an issue with using it in a training. I mean, I could technically take any board game in my collection and use it to go and lead a leadership seminar, even if I didn't design it. I could gift them a copy of the oh, game yeah. too. I, I've done that before. So, yeah, I'm absolutely. talking about the idea of like if I'm selling my own copies and then like and then publish, getting someone else to publish it, but. In, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think that would be an issue yep. until they publish it either, because it's such a small niche that it wouldn't matter. But, but what I'm saying now is like the idea that like, what if I just publish the game for both markets, right? Like I just put the game out sure. for the hobby game market and for the coaching market, um, and just marketed it in two different ways. Um, then I'm kind of getting double the bang for my buck with that. Um, does that make sense? Like, do you think that those are I know those markets are very separate, but do you think those yep. markets hurt each other if I'm doing a Kickstarter, right? To say like, oh, this is like, I'm marketing this as a business game to some people, but as a fun party game to others. Um, I don't think those audiences are going to cross very often. I don't think that they're going to be aware of each other. No, but I'm talking about um, in marketing it on Kickstarter. I have to yeah. talk about both if I want to sell both, right? So that said, like... What I'm saying is, do you think when the party gamers see, oh, this gets used for business trainings, like, when you know, like, that doesn't sound like something I want to play, or the business people might be like, oh, a party, okay, it's like a party, but we'll have fun in the meeting, great, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't see, I don't think that you need to market it towards the business people. I think, uh, on Kickstarter. Um, I don't think that's the audience that's coming around board games on Kickstarter. Like, I don't know that leadership people who are looking to hire leadership people are going to Kickstarter. There are oh, no, no, no. And I want to be clear. I wasn't talking about, like, getting them to go to Kickstarter to hire me as a coach. That's completely separate. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. I, I just don't even – I mean, you just, you just make a good game and put it out there, and then you just use it for whatever you want to use it for. That's fair, yeah. And I, I could um, easily go back to companies that I've worked with. Uh, I can also market it within companies like, like, Hey, like I need some more feedback on this game. Like basically the last company I said, I'm going to give you a free session. Uh, you're going to play the game and I'm going to give you a free like group coaching session where we talk through this stuff. 
uh, at no cost, you know, and that worked out really well because I got feedback, they got free stuff and they had a fun time. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's just about being smart with like your goals as a professional human being that wants to move forward with your passions and your ideas is, is why not like find the places where all those things intersect. And that's right? what I've been trying to do since I started this coaching gig. And it yeah. was, and I finally like this opposite is opposite was the first game where it clicked that I was like, this works Eureka. Like this works together. Um, and it was very exciting because I realized that like I can make this work and, uh, you know, for a long time, it was kind of this idea that I was struggling to combine. And once I made that first game click, several other ideas just started to pop, you know, boom, boom, boom. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Yeah, I think I think there's some there's some stuff there to just continue sorting out. And and um, yeah, I, I feel like there's you're having maybe a little bit of a block between like tearing down a wall between these two different things. Right, right. Um. And I think that maybe that'll just like, as you continue to peel the layers back and decide, I mean, if you're publishing it yourself, that's taking on a whole slew of other things, which we'll talk about maybe in part two of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, Cause the other one like is all that, about publishing myself, but uh, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. That like you will have to take on tasks that like are very different from booking a training session or, you know, like it's just, it's just like a whole nother, uh, slew of layers. I think that you'll have to you'll have to sort through to become a publisher. And right, right, um, yeah. And I so, think that if I was going to do the publishing stuff myself and actually like kickstart, print it, and stuff, I would just go the boutique route where it was you know like it's going to be a slightly higher cost game, and I'm going to do all the assembly and things like that. Right, unless somehow when Kickstarter goes gangbusters, and then it's easier to pivot and say, okay, no, I'm going to print this offshore and do all this stuff. Right. Um, right, right. But, you know, because it needs like wacky things like dry erase markers and stuff and, and special cards to just say, you know what, I'm going to just source everything in bulk myself, buy it, box it, shrink wrap it, do all that uh, on my yeah. own. Uh, because, again, I can do that because I'm self-employed yep. and that's part of my, you know, I it, it all falls into my my tasks for my job. So, yeah. Um, and it's I think that I think that for me, the path of least resistance that, that strikes strikes me is doing it the boutique route, smaller runs, and then using that to give you a jumping off point to know like what you've got that's really special. A lot of these things that, that work and don't work. Get, I mean, not necessarily. I'm hopefully, they're, I'm not saying they're going to be like prototype things out there. Well, but then, I get you, yeah. then you say, I'm going to go and like take this game to the next level. And that might mean doing a print run and getting into distribution and marketing it that way. Or it might just be like, this game is the one that everybody I play it with is resonating with. So I'm going to go and hit up these publishers and, and go right. that route. Right. And right. boutique, you're, you're getting to be a publisher if you're doing it the boutique route and you're doing this kind of like smaller hand assembled thing, you know, you're not going as deep in with risk and, and all that. Um, but you're getting to have this thing that you want to be able to use in your coaching. Um, exactly. But also can can share with your other audiences as, as well. Right, right. So cool. All right. Well, we need to talk about a game. So thank you for that. Uh, and more to come on that. This will be part one of at least a two-part series. Uh, so the next time Jason's <laughs> on, we will continue this talk where I'm going to talk about some specifically some other publishing things I want to do going forward uh, that I'm planning on doing. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But it'll be very different than what we just talked about. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Can't wait. So you and I, uh, you designed a game a long time ago. Uh, and then you and I started playing around with said game. Um, and we've been showing it around uh, and we've gotten some feedback. And now we are going to work through uh, the idea for this game and how to make some tweaks to it based on feedback we received from different people um, who were thought the game was cool in the way it was, but were looking for something slightly different. And we're hoping to hit those notes uh, with some with some uh, fixes or some adjustments, I guess. Nothing's broken, so some adjustments. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to let you give the intro to the game, and then I can talk about the feedback and um, what people had asked to see. So does that sound good? Uh, sounds great. Yeah, so uh, the game that we're going to talk about uh, has two different titles. Uh, it's been called Sunset Shuffle, and it has been called Who Ghost There? Um, and Forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. Uh, so it is a real-time dice game, party game, uh, that takes, you know, three to five minutes per round to play. And at the very first uh, Unpub I went to, people went nuts for it. It was the rowdiest table. People were saying, I want to come and play that game now. And I signed it, and that publisher, like, uh, went Exploded. out of business. Exploded. Yeah, they just they shelved the game, uh, mostly because they couldn't they couldn't figure out a price that worked for the game because the game had a lot of stuff in it. It had, um, it, it wasn't a ton of stuff, but it was like it's dice, right? So, um, we had it playing from one to I think five players, uh, or one to four, or not one. I'm sorry, two to four, two to five. Uh, each player gets six colored dice. Uh, plus there is a uh the lifeguard die. So the six the six colored dice are just d6s of one color. That's your player's color. There's a deck of 18, uh, 18 cards, essentially, which are numbered one through six. Um, and they have different beach elements on them in the Sunset Showdown or Sunset Shuffle version. Um, so in the game, you are, you're going to flip uh, these, these three cards up, um, and everyone is going to roll their six dice at the same time. And they are going to place matching pairs on the card of the whatever numbers are showing. So if there's a one, four, and a five, I have to put two fours at the same time on my four card. Uh, and my goal is to put all six of my dice on the beach cards, the three different, you know, the one, four, and the six before everyone else. And then I win that round. Uh, so... And you play, you play 16 rounds, and you get a trophy card every time you win a round. Uh, the cool twist is called the lifeguard die that is kind of a, a, uh, a, uh, a hot potato kind of a situation. So the die has two X's on it, and it has two passes on it and two blank sides. And every time uh, you have somebody starts that, that um, with that dice in their hands, and then they have to roll it along with their other six dice. And if you get an X, it means the lifeguard watches you messing around, so you can't place any of your, your dice on the beach. Uh, so you have to re-roll again. Uh, and then the uh, if you get the pass, that allows you to pass the lifeguard die to any other player at the table. 
Um, if you have the lifeguard dying as a blank side, you can continue play as normal. Um, and you just keep that die and roll it with your dice until you get to pass it to somebody else. Um, you can also save a die. When you're, when you're rolling, you can save one die um, to kind of make a match. If you're going for fours and you roll one four, you can set that one die aside and try to roll again. Um, so it's really quick, riotous kind of a game. You know, had cute, colorful dice and cute, colorful cards. And um, the, the rolling was frantic and fun, but like the hot potato lifeguard die kind of took it to this next level of like another hindrance that you're passing around the table and try to make split-second decisions about who is the, the most important person to give that die to. Um, and it's just a, you know, it's just a speed visual perception game, really. Uh, lots and lots of fun. But uh, if you're looking at a five or six player game with six dice each, you're looking at 36 dice and so that could get expensive and um, doing it. It's a party game. So you need a lot of people to be able to play it to give you that that party feel. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. So what's kind of the feedback that we're trying to uh, take and uh, and tweak it? So, so all the cool stuff you just said about the game, uh, the most obvious hook is that it's real time and the feedback we've been given is to make it not real time anymore. (laughs) Um, so this, uh, the idea we had was to, we'll say, make a version of this that was for a little more all ages, right? Um, to make it a little more accessible for kids to, um, and obviously rolling six dice or five dice, whatever, constantly six, it's six, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. yeah, rolling those six dice constantly fast um, and trying to read them and trying to know how to pass dice around is a little overwhelming for kids. Uh, so to make it a little more all ages accessible, we're trying to figure out how to make it not a real time game. Right. Um, and but still make it have some of those. I think the, the thing to think about is the positives of the real time. Right. Is that is the franticness, which we're going to get rid of some of the franticness, obviously, right? Because you lose real time. It's not as frantic. But in addition to that, like um, making it turn-based, we have to find a way to keep that interaction there and make sure that it's really, really good interaction, right? Um, And also set it aside away from things like roll for it, right? Because one of the reasons, like it has some similarities to a game like roll for it. Um, sure. If it, if it was straight up turn based, like with the current rules, it would feel very much like yeah, Wolf like it, a I simplified. Think. It would be like kid for it or something, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but we don't. We do not want that. We want it to have some of that same interaction, and I think that's the key, right? So, so how do we do that, Jason, smart guy? How do we how do we make it real and t- make take away the real time action, um, but still keep the that interactive feeling yeah sure well one one addition is that that i didn't mention was that there are 24 cards and the trophy cards are numbered one through six and whatever day it is one through six that number on your die is wild right yes that is yeah, yeah yeah so that was that was fun too that was like one more piece of information to track um, so which which more the more information you track in a real time game, the the better the game is, right? But um, so I th- I guess the first thing of all, that I'm thinking hardcore about... disagree, <laughs> but that's because I'm really <laughs> yeah. bad at real time games. Well, yeah, I mean in a real time game, the that like 
that's what makes it a good real time game. Not necessarily right, whether you're, right. if you if you like those sort of games. Right. Yeah. I uh, love um, the idea of those games. I'm just really bad at them, and they they stress me oh. out. Yeah, totally. So one totally. of the other pieces of feedback I actually did not give you before, but I'm going to give it to you now was oh, well, great. they had said, could you get rid of the lifeguard die and instead find a way to integrate that with the actual dice? Um, and yeah. I don't know if that's doable or not. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So what you could do is you could have the dice numbered. They could be six-sided dice. That are two to five. And then there's a, a lifeguard and a pass on the dice. Right. But what if okay. but what if we absolutely had to have six faces on the dice already? Oh yeah. So yeah. So okay, so it could be a match it could be like my my first thought is like Yahtzee, like right. You get three rolls. You roll three times. You see if you can match one. If you match them, you get the card, right? Um, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Uh, Good. I'm glad you said that because I was like, no, that's, um, that's garbage. Hot garbage. If, if if you go from 36 dice, well, okay. To one what note. if you had? Here's the deal. If it's not real time, we yeah, don't have to need, have 36 no, dice. We right. could have so, 10. Okay, so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking right now is if we if we could have 10 dice, then every other player could have something like a lifeguard die when it's not their turn. And the the other player has the six-sided dice that are there's six of them with six faces on them, and they have a certain number of rolls uh to try to complete their goal, right? And maybe there's a way for them to manipulate that a little bit. Um, and then what if everyone else at the table is rolling every time I roll, everybody else rolls. And if two people have a matching symbol, that does something like it's like instead of uh, you can't place your dice, it's you lose a die. So in a three or four player. So if you're, if you're playing a two player game, they get two dice. The other player gets two dice to roll. So you roll two dice and I roll my six and I want to put my pair on my one, four and six, right? I roll the two ones. I put them on there. I have four dice left. We roll again. You roll again. You roll one pass and you roll one, um, take a die away or something like that. Um, so it's like a, it's like a, there's the interaction. Everyone's engaged on every turn. You'd be looking, if you're playing against the, the active player's turn, you could, um, have, you could have someone, um, you're looking, they're looking for matches to work together against you. Uh, and if there's two choices you could do, so take a die away, lose a die. And then if there's two of the past symbol, if it was like similar to the current lifeguard die. Uh, it could be your turn ends. Oh, so basically, you're t- you keep rolling for your turn until, um, like so I roll and then I can do stuff with the dice. And when I roll, the other players also roll. And if they don't get two passes, I get to roll again if I want to. Yeah. Is that yeah. too complex though? Well, I mean, it's like two different things. So, like, okay, on my turn, I roll my dice. If I have a pair, I put it on one of my cards, right? And you probably have to have more than six dice if you're going to lose dice, right? Like, right. 
And we're coming down from like to... 30, so that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess you, you don't have to complete all three on your turn. You just take the card that you did complete at the when your turn is over. So, like, if there's a 1, 4, and a 5, I roll my dice, I get a pair of 1s. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Uh, and maybe maybe there's a pressure luck element, too? Like, where, like, if I keep going and they get a pass pair, I don't get the one I've already saved. But if I choose to stop after getting 1, I still take that card. Does that make any sense? A little bit. My other thought was, what if it was something super simple, like think of like a sushi go style, the sushi roll one. Like, so I have 10 dice. We start with 10 dice. That might be yeah. too many, but I roll the 10 dice, right? And it, so, okay. So you could have that, that lifeguard die, right? So I roll my 10 dice and there's a lifeguard die in there as one of those 10 dice. So effectively there's nine dice, right? Um, If... I, depending on what I get on the lifeguard die, that tells me what I'm allowed to do, right? And those options would be, um, so you always get to take at least one dice, right? Save a die, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I can save one die, but sometimes if that lifeguard dice comes up as like a double, I could save two dice, okay? Okay, yep. Um, And then after that, I pass my... Um, Okay, no, I don't like that. Stop. Let's have let's do it like big and little blinds in poker. You familiar with that? Like the big blind, the little blind, or big blind, small blind, uh, whatever it's called. It's it's so, been a while. So basically, you've got like one person rolling all the dice, and the trailing per- no, the person ahead of them though rolling the lifeguard die, right? Uh huh. So I roll my dice. The person rolls the lifeguard die. Um, I then get to pick a die to keep. But if they roll doubles on the lifeguard die, I get to keep two dice. But if they roll a takeaway, they get to steal a die from the pile uh, after I've taken mine, right? Um, and the reason for that is now now it's their turn. So it's one roll and then your turn is over. And you're going around in circles trying to pick which die to keep. So think of it like roll for it, except for you're putting the dice in front of you, right? Um and um, you're putting the dice in front of you and trying to match one of those cards out there, but you're not committing it to a card. And when the dice come back around, so let's say I roll, there's four of us playing, right? There's 10 dice. I roll the 10 dice. You roll the lifeguard die. Um, forget that for a second. Just I roll 10 dice, right? I take one. So I take a one. I roll again. I'm, now I give it to the next player. They roll. They take a two. We go to the next player. They take a four right so we're going around each taking a die trying to match the cards that are out there but i can actually swap my dice for a different one so when it gets back to me if i have a one i could trade that one back in and take two other dice out okay so basically it's allowing you to build without having to um do it you know what i mean it's doing the same effectively the same thing um, but it's allowing you to like swap cards and things or swap dice and things. I, I don't know. I'm struggling with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm just stuck on the spirit of it being this lifeguard die is a hindrance to you doing a simple thing. Right. Yes. So yes. like, and we have the, 
we have the perfect setup for we have to use the lifeguard die because yeah. the way we're using looking to use this game it's just too perfect not to use um yeah. so okay. we, we have to um so figuring out a way for the lifeguard die to work is super important and i think i like the idea of having another player roll it because it does yep. keep players engaged especially with kids it's going to keep them engaged on someone else's turn um yep. And I think that's important, but we don't want everyone to have one. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, like the. I think that I that the spitballing of the like, if the pairs, I liked that. Like that felt like if there's like limited symbols on those dice, and the other players are hoping to like match something, so then something happens. To the like, you're all working against the current player, so everyone is involved on every turn, and yeah, that could be, that'd be fun, you know. Um, so like, there's like two or three simple actions that happen, uh, and then it's a matter of like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, it's hard to not feel like I'm being egotistical by circling back to my eye, my first instincts and idea. And say that that's I like that better. Um, which but was what? But which was what? Which was the, which was the the we I'm gonna have you know eight dice to roll on my turn. Uh huh. And and you said and that kind of made it click for me when you said um, and you can take as many you can roll as many times as you want um, until you lose your turn. You know, because because they not like and so it's a little bit of a pressured luck situation then where like if you and Steph and Lisa are all rolling lifeguard dies, if as soon as you get a pair of the three symbols, then something happens that's going to modify the rest of my rolls. Like I lose a die. It's almost like a cross between roll for it and zombie dice. Okay. Except for instead of you rolling the negatives, the every time I roll, the opponents can choose whether or not to roll. Yeah. So, like, basically, like, I roll, I get a pass, right? Now, uh-huh. like, do I want to wait? Because I want to see if, if the other people roll a pass on the next roll. It's like getting yep. the shotguns, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they can, So the person rolling the lifeguard can can decide to roll it again or leave it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, because then every roll that the purse, the active player, takes is more risky. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a tension that's gonna build there. Um, so basically, like, think about it. If it's it's again, it's you, me, Lisa, Steph playing. Right. You roll yep. the dice once. We all roll. We we have to we have to come up with a different die faces basically for the lifeguard die. Right. Um, yeah, I think yeah. there should probably be three that are simple to understand and there's just two of each or maybe there's uh, maybe there's, uh, you know, two of each and then there's like a special one that's super oh, bad. One. right? Yeah, one. Yeah. And that would be like the like you lose a die or something. Right. Um, but so, yes, I roll once. We both roll. One of us gets the bad thing and you're like, oh, crud. <laughs> right. Like, OK, yeah, yep. uh, I'm going to risk it. Now, I could choose to re-roll the bad thing. Um, what if, okay, okay, okay. I like this. Okay. So the same idea you have, but one of the, the one there's, there's four, three faces on the die. No, four faces on the dice. One is there's two that are not that big of a deal, right? Where if everybody gets that one, the turn, your turn ends, right? 
in fact, there could be two different versions of that one, right? Where there's like, it's like a we'll we'll say like it's a an X and a and an O, right? And if you get three okay. O's or three X's on the board, then their turn is over automatically, right? Uh huh. But then there's the one there's there's one that's if everybody gets it, something super bad happens, right? Um, I don't know what okay. that would be. But but what I'm thinking is basically there's one that's like the selfish one where if I roll it, I can take a die from someone's storage, right? Okay. So or I can draft a die from the active that's probably better. I can draft a die from the active player, right? So I might want to re-roll even though I got the nasty one because I don't care if your turn ends cuz I want to steal dice from you, right? Mm. So basically yeah. it means that the other players can work as a team or <laughs> They can um, attempt to hose the other play. Like they can work for themselves. Does that make sense? I think so. It's basically exactly so. what you said. It's just introducing the idea that I can say traitor to the traitor, right? Like I'm not going to help you guys stop Jason. I'm going to try and steal dice from myself because you can still claim cards. I think on somebody else's turn, as soon as you have the mat, the full match, you should be able to claim the cards. Yeah. I think. Yep. I think so too. You just use well, yeah. I, I think that there could be something for the active player that is that that is the pressure luck element. So like, if okay, I'm gonna roll my dice. I get a pair of ones. I'm just gonna claim the one card because because they're equally distributed, one through six. You know what I mean? Like all the cards that you get are only worth one point. Right. Um, so. So you want to get as many of those as you can, but the more times you roll, the less chance you're going to have of completing more cards because right. you're going to be saving your your ugly faces to work against me. Um, right. So and then you've got the so, players like, oh no, Lisa, don't re-roll. Like, hold it. Like, don't be greedy. Yeah. You got an X. Yeah, Steph yeah. has an X. Like, don't re-roll. Right. I'm going to roll an X, and we're going to we're going to stop him. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then I'm rolling. I get my ones. I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna save this four because I can save one, and there's a four out there. So I got these five dice left, and I hopefully will get a four with it. But if I don't, I could they could all get a pass, and I lose everything, and I don't get the one that I already have secured. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So then we should like, mess around with that. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I like your I like your idea of the um, so the current lifeguard die just has two of the six sides but i think that there's pro it's probably a little more dynamic on every turn if it's like um two uh one side could be on two two sides of the die of the lifeguard die could be lose a die the active player loses a die if there's uh three three of the same uh the other one could be the other one is end a turn for on two sides of the die maybe one blank side and then one is if you keep it if you get this you get to take a die from the active player yeah from their pool right? and put it in front of you from their yeah yeah we just have to make sure that we can make that so that our kids can play it yes and the good news is we have play testers at our houses so right yeah right and and it almost seems like okay so if if you're playing yeah, and we could always simplify that down to two actions too. Or, um, well, that's what I was thinking. Basically, like one action is your turn ends. Yep. Every time 
uh, your turn ends if you get three matches, right? Or you yep. get um, if all the players match, all the other players match oh. on their picture. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Oh, if so, yeah. If two match, you lose a die. If three, your turn ends. If something else, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I and, feel and like. I- Oh, go ahead. I feel like no. I feel like that's good. Uh, there's 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 another thought that was just bouncing bouncing around in my head. Uh, essentially, I feel like you could get away with nine dice for a four player game. You have nine dice. If uh, so, there's you need six to be able to complete all three of the cards in front of you, and then if every player was able to steal a die, that would in in a four player game that would mean. They would, you would still have enough to finish your cards, even if they stole one from you on a lucky roll, and then you would need three of the lifeguard dies. So you're looking at twelve dice at that point. Probably um, more though, because this, I guess, two to four might be okay. Yeah, two for kids, two to four is probably fine. Yeah, yeah, and then I think, yeah, I think then you're if you're looking at twelve dice and like twenty four cards, uh, that's pretty pretty simple amount of stuff there. But yeah, it's about the teaching and getting it, you know, for the youngest kids to be able to play along. But I mean, the idea of like, I mean, the essential element is roll dice and match. And then yep. there's some interaction there. Yeah, we should we should mess with that. Cool. We're a bit over time here, so we should probably call it a day. Uh, but good discussion. So we will uh, we'll report back on how that comes along. Maybe uh, the next time yeah, yeah. you're on when we talk about the same things, it'll be basically be the exact same episode again. It'll be great. <laughs> That's it. Word so, for word. Uh, all right. So thank you for listening, everybody. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, at PodcastBTG, uh, at J.A. Slingerland, at Jason Katarski, and at Green Couch Games. Uh, you can also find us on the buildingthegamepodcast.com, email us, buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com, or call us at 770-HOTEL-BTG. Um, I think that's pretty good. Give us some five-star reviews. We love that kind of stuff. And until next time, a good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>